0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple, to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics, ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our 10 double digits unbelievable episode of the lift effect podcast
2: where uh, it's a mouthful isn't it
1: it is i well i I know when we started i was going like god are we going to get to like three or four before people start booing and yelling (laughs) and here we are at 10 it's like wow um you know that i just didn't know how well this was going to take off and um and we're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute but it uh it looks like we have done an amazing job of of uh, connecting with people and re- and having people uh, relate to our this podcast.
2: Yeah. So before I start, yeah, pretty way up. On that. It's good.
1: Um, I'm Carl Keller and uh, I basically MC for the host, which is Matt McNeil. And we want to welcome you to our 10th podcast. As we normally do before we start, first of all, I hope everybody's off to a great 2023. Um, You know, if if you've been listening to our previous podcasts, you'll know Matt's wonderful view on New Year's resolutions. (laughs) I I hope whoever's done one is still continuing to do it. And uh, I guess uh, come March, we should, we'll we probably ask how many people are still doing their New Year's resolution. That's
2: going to be the test, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, I'm afraid to ask
1: right now. we're probably already lost a percentage of people already, but be that as it may um but I, we all hope that you're you're starting off 2023 uh, in a better way than 22 has been uh, 2022 was. As we start every podcast, we usually try to go through some of the um, questions that we received. And since uh, both Matt and I were a little bit under the weather last week, we didn't do a podcast. So we've got a fair number of questions, and we want to try and cover several uh, before we get into kind of an expansion on one of our podcasts that we received a lot of uh, comments on. But here are some questions that uh, uh, we got well over the holidays. and uh, and And Matt, I believe, has kind of touched this a little bit but it maybe not quite in the way this this listener asked he said what are the what percentage of pilots were reported to the FAA for psychological conditions
2: all right um and sorry about the quality of my voice uh, i sound probably pretty horrible i sound worse than i actually feel um but uh yeah sorry about not doing a podcast last week we carl and i was actually very sick i had covid um Carl had something else, whatever, but, uh, it kicked, it knocked me on my butt. Um, it was, it was, uh, I was out down for the count, man. It was bad. Uh, so I sound bad and I apologize for that. I'll try to uh, keep things succinct. So you don't have to listen to me too much. Um, so the question is what percentage of pilots, I think I understand the question. What percentage of pilots report for psychiatric lady conditions? Well, the data, we don't really know, know, (laughs) um, the data that the FAA has put out—they put out these reports of, um, you know, first class, second class, third class. What kind of issuances? Um, what kind of problems? What kind of special issuances under uh, for different conditions? And the last data that they put out was in 2018. Um, but I can say, like the SSRI protocol or the the SSRI decision path um, was point. I, I, it's somewhere around uh point zero four point zero five percent of certificate holders are taking uh are on the SSRI decision path. So a minute tiny percentage of pilots that hold first class medicals uh are actually on a special issuance for SSRIs. And there's a bunch of things you could derive out of that. Um do you want me to go down that rabbit hole or well I um, not before
1: you There, yeah, we can go down it, but the one thing I would want to elaborate on is you made a comment 2018.
2: 2018. Um, Yeah. So which is pre-COVID, right? Pre-Eruption. That was all I was
1: trying to get at. I have a feeling that (laughs) there's probably a slightly higher, if not significantly higher, percentage now just because of of COVID.
2: That's yeah. Yeah. And just because of the state of the world and all the retirements and the newer generation of pilots coming up. It will be
1: interesting when they publish those, whenever that is to see yeah, what those yeah. numbers might be. It's
2: going to be a lot higher. Um, uh, but but still a very tiny percentage of pilots um, that have mental health problems are actually, you know, uh, re- getting treatment for mental health. Um, and, and I would say, you know, reporting these are statistically impossible numbers. I mean, you can't say 0.05% of pilots have depression or anxiety that requires um pharmacological intervention that's like you know half the population takes an ssri which is problematic um and and pilots are people too we're not any different or more resilient um than the general population there's lots of good studies that have shown that this idea of the right stuff you know that that we pilots used to be under the 50s mentality of you know we're we're like astronauts and they've just got the right stuff well we have the right stuff in terms of skill set um there may be characterological facets to a pilot that make them more able to do their job as a pilot uh, than maybe other people in the population there has to be certain levels of eye hand coordination certain levels of mental processing that you have to be able to do but in terms of resistance uh to mental health problems that's total myth um, and I, I would actually argue that pilots are more susceptible to mental health problems uh, than the general population just because of, you know, circadian disruptions and, and um, stre- you know, stress of the job and, you know, uh, a, an underground culture of actually getting help. Uh, we know that not, not getting help, small problems become very big ones. Um, and so the, the the data, if you look at the, the the data from a psychological perspective, it's abysmal. I mean, pilots are, are not reaching out and getting help or they're, you know, oftentimes I get asked the question, do pilots report their, you know, mental health visits? And the answer is some do and some don't. And I mean, the FAA knows this. Everybody knows that. Um, we encourage the pilots to report to be honest i don't think pilots like to be dishonest most of us are you know <laughs> like eagle scouts you know we 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 have high moral integrity um and we we don't like to not be truthful um but but you know there are barriers to pilots um reporting and uh, you know like loss of career loss of income lo- lack of insurance um you know poor uh you know extended leaves of absences um kind of rolling the dice hoping that the FAA will approve you and i think that they're making improvements to that the FAA is tr- trying to make an effort to to bring on more psychiatrists and um improve their process there was one change that happened recently that i'm really excited about um the FAA has dropped the neurocog a uh, repeat neurocognitive Evaluations for pilots on the SSRI protocol—they require you to do the first one, and if there aren't any hiccups or issues with it, they are not requiring pilots to do repeat ones uh, when they have to renew their medicals each, each year, which were very expensive, very stressful—I I, I think—needless tests. And the FAA has made some really aggressive changes to that, which I'm like, super—that's super progressive, and I'm I'm really excited about that. But but you know the. The, the reporting is abysmal. Um, and so there's, you know, like I said, there's two ways to interpret that either the pilots just, just don't get the help or they get the help and they just go, they go dark, they go underground with it. And so are they trying to get help from, you know, people that aren't qualified to, to actually get help like palm readers and, you know, herbalists, or are they just getting help and they're just, they're just hiding and 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 staying underground, which is is not a good thing for for pilots. It's not a good thing for the FAA. It's not a good thing for anybody. So that's my answer to that question.
1: Well, first of all, that wasn't one question. You stole about five of my questions <laughs> there. So thanks Sorry, for rolling well, them yeah. all up together.
2: Okay, there you um, go. <laughs> but- they um, all kind I of lead make, into each other, aren't, don't yeah, that, I mean.
1: they? Yeah, there were a lot that were, were similar, but they were, and you kind of rolled them all up. So um, you actually shortened my talking- <laughs> Um, there I want to make one comment about what you said and then ask you a question yeah. that you kind of hinted at w- with the very end of your 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 statements there. The first is I think one of the things that's a big strength of um pilots and people that have that same kind of mindset is also one of their greatest weaknesses, and that is our ability to compartmentalize yeah.
2: things. Yes. It
1: allows us to function and do the job because we focus on on what we need to do. But at the same time, I think it also hinders us because we do, we, we set it aside and, and, and try to pigeonhole it. And, and you can't do that forever. You can't compartmentalize yes. that it will come out. Yep. And the second one is more follow-up on what you said, which was about how the FAs become more progressive. I guess my question is, uh, you made a comment in a previous podcast about the new FAA, um, you know, the, the, uh, Federal Air the, Surgeon, the surgeon that you were, yeah. that she seems to be of a different, uh, made out of of different kind of cloth than previously that she yeah. seems to be more open to things and more, yeah. like you say, progressive and willing to entertain things than historically the FAA has been willing to do.
2: so. Yes. That? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I mean, I, I think she, you know, Dr. Northrup and I don't, you know, speak for her. I mean, I would love to get her on the podcast. Dr. Northrup, if you're listening to this, I would love to have you come on the podcast. I think that would be really valuable for our listeners. Um, but my my experience of her um of, you know, being on a panel with her and just sort of watching what she's done, I think she's um really trying to make some positive changes that are, you know, grounded in more realistic expectations. Um, and a little bit more no-nonsense no um approach. I think she's aware that pilots have mental health problems um, like everybody else in the world, um, and that there's some barriers, some pretty significant barriers that have been erected um, that, that prevent pilots from actually getting properly, you know, get, getting the help that they need. And so, the, you know, the FAA, again, they're not in the job of promoting aviation or, um, you know, promoting pilot wellness or whatever that's not their job their job is to maintain safety um of the federal airspace system that's what they that's their their line right uh, even though pilots aren't flying in the federal airspace system a lot of the time but um but that's their job and and so they have to you know maintain their priority um but the reality is is things aren't black and white it's not like you know everything is in a nice, tidy, neat box, especially when it comes to mental health problems. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how things go. I know that, um, you know, they're a federal agency and Washington moves very slow with everything and it takes literally acts of Congress to get things changed. So I don't have super high, like, you know, pie in the sky expectations, Um, But I do think there are some, some changes that are happening that I I see as very positive. And I know you've had
1: positive interactions with her. So
2: I've only had, yeah, I mean, just, you know, very limited, but, but I I was impressed with, um, well, impressed with some of, of, of her perspective and and I think where she's trying to aim things again, let's keep our, our expectations realistic here. Um, But it would be awesome if we
1: could get her on the podcast and
2: would love that. We can
1: put out a, a, you know, send her a yeah.
2: request. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: sure she's busy, but you never know. Super busy.
2: Yeah. But, but you never know because we've got a yeah. big listenership and, and, um and I think pilots are really interested in this and, and I, th- I think the FAA is interested in this. So, um, yeah,
1: and I'm going to go off on a tangent for just a second with what you just said. I think that uh, I, I've been surprised being very frankly honest, since we have done virtually nothing to advertise what we've done.
2: No, no, no.
1: I've been really pleasantly surprised at how many people have listened and how many comments uh, and, you know, positive comments about how that were, they, they relate to this, how I think one of the, our, one of the listeners said, God, he felt like we were talking about him. Mm -hmm. Like that was him. And, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised at, just how much of a reach we've gotten with virtually just word of mouth. And so hundred
2: percent, yeah, word of mouth. And, and uh, and I'm surprised too. This is just something that we decided to do just for the, just like, Oh, what the heck? Let's just do it. No one will listen and that'll be fine. Um, But but people seem to be tuning in and, and I'm honored to, for them to give their time, you know, the time is the most precious resource we have. And, and I know that, you know, for you to sit down and take the time to, to listen, to what we are offering and take some things to heart, uh, is I'm, I'm truly honored if, for that.
1: And we thank all of you for being, being willing to share this with other people because that's how they're finding out about it. So yeah. we thank yeah. you from the, we don't know how to say thanks enough for that. Um, and please keep doing it because we, this is the whole thing that we set out to do was to reach people that we yep. might never reached before. Yeah. Um, Another quick question uh, was, what? Do you, uh, and I think there was some confusion on this, of what the role of the mental health professional is regards to the FAA and reporting. There was some confusion.
2: Yeah, me. there's zero role that the mental health professional has in terms of a pilot reporting to the FAA. The pilots, the, when a pilot report, the expectation of the FAA for pilots with any medical issue is that you know when, you know, what's allowed and what's not. That onus is on the pilot. If you take a medication that's not approved and you get in trouble with that, the FAA isn't going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't know. Like, that's not how it works. The FAA says your job is to know. And if you don't, you need to call your AME or use one of the resources like AMAS or, you know, go on the, you can go on the federal website and read what, is allowed and what is not allowed. The onus is on the pilot. Whether that's fair or not doesn't really matter. It's always been that way in aviation. You need to know the requirements um, and whether you meet the requirements or not. And if you don't, you need to reach out and get the information. Mental health professionals do not know what their federal requirements are. They they don't sit there and like, oh, I've got a pilot. Let me go do all the research on what the pilot should know or should not know. That's, that's not the role. The role of the job of the mental health professional is to help the pilot with whatever is going on. They're not there to police the pilot. They're not there to do the work on behalf of the FAA. They're not there to educate the pilot about what the federal requirements are and keeping up to date on what those things are as they change. That that so the, the mental health professional has no role in that. Now, the the mental health professional has a duty to warn if a pilot is in danger of hurting themselves or somebody else. That's a you know, HIPAA—that's that's that's you know, board certification no <laughs> stuff. Yeah, do no harm, right? You you that and but that's different. They don't we don't call the FAA. They they usually call the police or you know EMS to go and check on the safety of that pilot. Or the the pilot may need to be admitted to a hospital or something like that. Um, but but that the the mental health professional has no role. They they don't they're not under obligation to go tell the FAA. And in fact. HIPAA law prevents a mental health professional from discussing anything about that pilot without a release of information. It's the law. It's called protected private health information. So, mental health professionals don't, they're not like, oh, I've got a pilot. I'm going to go tell the FAA that I'm treating a pilot. And that's illegal. We can't do that. And I think, you know, this has been a big point of confusion, even at some carriers and unions about this. HIPAA laws are federal laws. They trump everything else. It's HIPAA. So there is no reporting requirement for any mental health professional or any medical professional in the world to the FAA. Oh, I've got a pilot. Are they reporting? That's not how this works. Now, the FAA has expectations about reporting. We've talked about that pretty extensively. If you're getting psychotherapy, if you've been diagnosed with a mental health condition, if you have a substance abuse issue, the FAA expects that pilot to report their visits with whatever, whoever they're seeing, whether it's somebody at lift effect or somebody in their neighborhood, a therapist or whatever. The FAA expects those pilots to report that on their 8500 form. Let me be very clear. That is the expectation. Do pilots report? Some do, some don't. Do I know who does? No, I have no idea. No clue. Um, but that's the expectation. If you are receiving coaching, family therapy, couples therapy, the FAA does not have an expectation that you report those visits. And we've got a clip of uh, Dr. Northrop actually stating that on one of our previous podcasts in that panel that I did. So that, but again, like P- pilot, your job is to figure this out. Call your union. Call your the FAA. Call your call your your AME. I mean, that's really what the the AME's role is: is to know. Okay, yeah, you can take this medication. No, you can't. Yeah, you can go see this person without reporting. No, you can't. That's that's the that's the role. So hopefully that 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 clears it up. But the mental health professional's job is to help the pilot. That's our number one job: is to help you with whatever is going on. We're not here to. You know, interpret federal law or eighty five hundred forms or any of that stuff. Um, Now, luckily, we understand it at Lift Effect because we treat pilots. But, but our primary concern is you. It's not. It's not. You know, dealing with those other facets. Um, It's to just help you with whatever you're going. Whether we're coaching you or whether you're 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 doing therapy or any combination thereof.
1: I'll make one last clarification. Lift Effect treats pilots but it, it's because you were or are a pilot that you have the understanding of it not because of right. any other reason if right. you had been someone else that was a mental health professional that and again i know you don't do that but were you to have someone else working with you and they weren't a pilot they wouldn't understand the same things it's because you have lived the life you know right and taken were, an interest in it. it
2: and yeah and and really i mean i think it's Pilots come to lift effect not because we understand reporting requirements. Like they come to lift effect because we understand them, because we've been there. And so you, when you say, "Yeah, I've got a two leg commute to L.A. to sit reserve," I understand all of the impact of what that means. Or I get that you don't have to nighter. explain that. Yeah, right. Or I understand you know three three uh, time zone circadian disruptions or four time zone circadian disruptions. We understand that, and on the mental por- performance side, we totally understand the, the what's required to fly and what's required to train, and 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 developing fears around um, certain things that might happen out online, where that can get out of control. Like that's why I think pilots come to Lift Effect is because we speak their language and we we understand them on a very deep level, uh, and we can help them navigate that environment. Uh, but it's it's not it's not just because like we understand federal uh, you know requirements for eighty five hundred forms that's that's not that's not the the primary reason and there's lots of resources pilots can 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 tap into to figure that stuff out start with your Ame,
0: cool,
2: yeah.
1: Well, I had one last question and I'm not going to yeah. ask it today because oh. this one will take you down <laughs> that rabbit hole. Well, ask which- it and
2: I'll I won't answer it.
1: <laughs> all right, and 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 all the listeners, you need to hold us accountable for this. Okay. And that is, there were a couple of questions asking, what kind of work and what kind of people do you deal with uh, outside of Lift Effect? Because you had yeah. bro- you had touched on that, so you're not allowed to answer that.
2: That's <laughs> Can one. Can I just one, say who they are, and I won't get into it? No. Okay.
1: Because I think it, I want, we wanted to leave a little bit of time because we didn't have yeah. a lot left. To go back to what we talked about on a previous um, uh, podcast episode that that generated Mm. a lot of comments, a lot of uh, personal and and, um, questions and experiences, and that was the one that where we talked about catastrophic thinking. And in particular, the feelings of loss.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm going
1: to open end that and let yeah. you, cause you're going to go down a rabbit hole. I can yeah. tell you that. Right now. So, oh yeah. So start catastrophic
2: So that was episode eight. I want to say eight. I think it was eight. Yeah. Where we just yeah. touched on. Yeah. We got a lot of feedback on that. People were really said, man, this is really like, this is really helpful. This is life. I feel like you're talking to me right? because we are talking to you. I mean, we're, you're a human being. And, and I think, I mean, I haven't gone back and really listened to that, but I think we touched on the sort of the bio, the biological basis of why do we go to the catastrophic thing? And maybe let's take that conversation a little bit further. Is um, It's interesting when you think about the catastrophic thinking, almost all of the fears that come into play that create the anxiety is around loss. I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to lose my opportunity. I'm going to lose my freedom. I'm going to lose my uh, some insert whatever family, it is wife, family, whatever. wife, yeah, yeah or health, health, my life. It's all comes around loss, and when you think about what what is anxiety, so anxiety is, as I've said before, it's it's sort of that future focused worry. About what is around the corner, what has not yet happened, but is going to happen, the future, future paced. Um, but let's unpack that for a second. The the fears that come up around anxiety are always related to some kind of theme of loss. And there are five universal themes of loss that get, that get rolling around. And what I would say is think about some of your own anxious experiences and we all have them. There's nobody in the, alive that doesn't experience anxiety at some point. Uh, some of us weigh more than others, um, but it's going to come up because you're biologically, if you didn't have any anxiety, there'd be something wrong with you. You wouldn't probably survive. <laughs> um, you need it. It's there. So the first thing there's kind of like a hierarchy, but there's no, they're not. They're really parallel, but I conceive of them in sort of a hierarchy. Um, the first one that I see most often, and I think people most often relate to, is the first theme of loss is, is abandonment or loss of love. That could mean from your partner. It could mean from your kids. It could mean from your colleagues. It could mean from your community. It could mean from the world could mean from your species it doesn't matter right but it it always comes down to some kind of fear around abandonment or a loss of love the second theme that comes up for people is a loss of identity I see you that's nodding big your head one. yeah that's a big talk to me really, Tell you, what are your thoughts on that yeah like let's yeah um i saw that connect with you big time right? well it's you're understanding it, right? For I mean, what, some tell people
1: me? more than others, and, yeah. and especially you see this in the later stages of their career or yeah. after they've retired, because for some people, considering it's quite common to, for pilots to have gotten their pilot's license when they're 14, 15, 16 yep. years old. Yep. So now you're talking about the better part of 50 years. Yeah, 50 out of 65. I mean, mm. you're talking about the overwhelming majority of their life. And then all of a sudden, for most of them, It stops unless they have their Mm -hmm. own airplane or they are able to get on, you know, as a corporate pilot. It's like this is they've identified with that so much that all of a sudden you it's like you've stripped their Superman costume off. And now who am I? What am I? And, you know, it's I heard long ago they said, don't make your life all about flying. Make sure that you have other things, so that if something were to happen <laughs> medically or just you time out, you're 65, that you're not all of a sudden in in this helpless spiral downward. Because what do I do? Where do I go? How? Do, you know, the people I hung around with, I can't anymore. It yeah. it really is. It's I think a loss of identity is a huge one.
2: Yeah.
1: Not so much when you're younger. It can mm-hmm. be, but it's oh, really I mean, very I mean, if you, very prevalent as you're older.
2: Yeah, for for sure. And but when guys lose their medical and gals lose their medical at a very young age, that is so traumatic and disruptive because they're like, this is the whole, th- this is all I've ever wanted to do since I was ten, and all I've ever done, you know, all I focused on, my whole community is around this identity. But I being think they're also pilot. easier
1: to adapt once they once they're able to get over that initial hump. That, you know, I'm kind of doing that, but yeah, it,
2: I'm kind of, yeah. Sometimes, um, sometimes they, they really struggle with, with, you know, especially if they get a, a permanently disqualifying medical condition. It's, it's, it's really, there's a loss there. It's grief. I mean, they have it is, to grieve. It is, it's a death and, and it's really, but they get through it and people and so do the older generation. They get through it if they're allow themselves to grieve.
1: And I and think, go through th- I it. think the older, the older you are, It really is. It's just because it's, it's like those neural pathways. They've been, you've driven down that road so much. And so often that that's the only way you see things to get off that road and start looking at things and other things is, I think is a big challenge for a lot of people because that's just the way it, they, they don't know how to get off out of that well-worn traveled path.
2: Yeah. And nobody, nobody tells you, right. That there's there's no time where it's going to end. Yeah. Or, or you think it's just going to go on forever. And I remember going to my last time I got my medical, I, I go into the AME's office and this really old guy walks in, he comes in behind me and he, or he, he comes, he's coming in front. He holds the door and he's goes, Hey, young man, welcome. This is where it starts. And this is where it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was really cute, You know, but it's uh, true. I mean, you it, know, it is,
1: it is. Uh, uh, one of the things I would say is, people that are very well-meaning and have good intentions can definitely make it much more difficult, especially after, you know, especially after a couple of months after, in this mm-hmm. case, I'm going to go with the retirement and people say, come on, snap out of it. You know, you got it right. like, it's like, oh, that's, it's that easy. And and all that does is make the person feel even more confused. Cause yep. why can't I snap out of it? what, yep. what, what, what how do i how do i snap out of it what yeah what what's what's the abc where's where's the sop where's the checklist On mm-hmm. to move on to the next phase of my life yeah because it just even though people know it's coming most don't i haven't really prepared for it as they well prepared as the for they, have it. they have for it right maybe they more, have financially maybe that hopefully but the mental part emotionally I think very yeah. few
2: do yeah and that's one of the things we're doing at the V1 project is we've got people that are retired, uh, facing retirement, where they still have community. Because one of the things I tell pilots that lose their medicals or they retire or whatever it is, is the reality is you're still a pilot. I mean, like pull those certificates out, right? They're still yours. That's an identity that nobody can take from you. Um is that identity of the, I'm still a pilot. You just might not be working as one right now or anymore. Um, if you lose your medical, it just means, you know, you don't have a medical to go operate the aircraft, but you're still a pilot. Guys say, oh, i lost my, I lost my license. No, you lost your medical certification. You didn't lose your license. Um, and that identity is still yours. I see a lot of this sometimes with with physicians, surgeons, attorneys that their their identity is so wrapped around their Their profession because it takes that kind of level of dedication right to 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 do that and then that then all of a sudden they you know they're not doing it anymore and they're like i don't know who i am i don't know what what is um what is is happening so which brings me to the third theme of loss so the first is abandonment or loss of love the second is loss of identity the third loss you know big universal theme of loss is loss of meaning and, you know, oh, there's so much to unpack with that. And I don't, and, I don't even want to get into the meaning stuff yet.
1: I really think, this is my opinion, that that is, that needs to be part of another podcast where you have the time to really delve into it because that is so deep and, and you're going to just start scratching it and really not. Yeah. But if you yeah, want to, but it's just, the, just I'm just to throw it out there. Today.
2: Yeah. Me, me, meaning is just, I, I think meaning is, is, um, you know, there's a great quote. I think it was Viktor Frankl, who's a very famous psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, that survived the. He wrote *Man's Search for Meaning*, um, which is a great book. And unfortunately, it was written in the '40s, so it says "man's," but really should be "people's" search for meaning. Um, I w- it's required reading. I mean, you just must read *Man's Search for Meaning* by Viktor Frankl, F R A N K L. And one of the quotes he says is that. Um, pain without meaning is suffering that's really the, the the root of what suffering is if you can't find any sort of meaning or purpose which is the fourth universal theme we'll get into that in a second uh, but if there's if you have a lack of meaning it, it you're kind of like a rudderless ship you're just sort of out there in the the ether meaning is i think is what what allows us to really anchor in to our life, into what is happening, even when it's hard, even when there's struggle. So, like I said, I don't even want to open this up because I could. It's a huge topic, and it's a really important one to get into. And maybe we'll we'll get into it at another time. Um, the fourth universal theme of loss is is loss of purpose. And when I think about purpose, um, and purpose is different than meaning. Purpose. Is like the chance to express yourself. That's what purpose is. And so if you think about as professional pilots, what what does your job mean to you? that identity mean to you in terms of expressing your expressing who you are? I mean, there's that that joke, you know, if, if how, how do you know what kind of airplane you know if you're at a party and you meet a pilot, how do you know what kind of airplane he flies? don't Don't worry, he'll tell you. <laughs> right that's that expressing you know this is who i am this is what i am this is you know a big part of my identity um is that expression and so purpose is a is a when we feel that that we're losing purpose that's really anxiety provoking that would can tie be that very with catastrophic. Loss of
1: identity i think those can go yeah. very very well hand in hand
2: yeah yeah yep so loss of purpose, chance to express yourself. And then, and again, all of this is like when we go into catastrophic thinking, why do we go into these, these frameworks of loss? Or I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. What are, we gonna, what are you going to lose? Well, it's something around one of these or many of these themes. And then the last one, which is the big kahuna of loss, is loss of life, fear of death, fear of sickness. Fear of pain—that is very anxiety-provoking. And we can catastrophize around that that theme of loss. I see that all the time, and all of us can relate to that. That's why we feel so vulnerable when when we're when we're sick. We can,
1: and I think the loss of the the, the pain isn't just on themselves, but yes, but on others.
2: Yes. Yeah. So abandonment or loss of love, loss of identity, loss of meaning, loss of purpose, or the the chance to express who you are, and loss of life, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of pain. That's the theme of loss. Those are the universal themes of loss. I Super to, exciting and uplifting today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that's what we're here for. You know, yeah. we're trying to bring in the new year in, a, in yeah. such a positive, uplifting right. manner. Right. Um, I'm going to tell you a couple of per, uh, quick personal comments. I remember back when I was flying at um, Fours, and, and that, that, that dates me immediately. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does. Unfortunately, it was absolute thrill of a lifetime. And enjoyed every minute of you're it. You're
2: on the tail end of it. So you're, you're still
1: yes, I, I, I got over a thousand hours in it and absolutely enjoyed it. Um, I, back in the days where you didn't get in trouble, if you left um, uh, and uh, if, if you got done flying and you went out to get a bite to eat. Yeah. Uh, I remember meeting my, this was before I got married. I, I had a date and we met and I had just gotten offline. I was late. We went to dinner and it just so happened that the, the waitress and my date knew each other, and she started talking to her. She goes, "Oh, I've always wanted to date a pilot. I just oh, they're the best. They're the they're the bomb." And he, you know, and There's I was no wearing idea. my flight suit, yeah. and she's just sitting there going, "Oh, Gaga, Gaga, and um, uh, I I said, uh, uh, can I give you a secret on it? Oh, and it was like you know, oh my God, I was getting she was getting some, you know, right, a tip sauce, right? Yeah, yeah. So secret I sauce her, I of said, the pilot." guess what pilots put on their pants or, or flight suit one leg at a time, just like everyone else, the wrappings is, may grab your attention, but it's the contents of the box that keeps it. If that's, if, if that's Fair. all you see is just a pilot or that's all they identify as, and there's no, no depth to them, then <clears throat> you're, you're just, it's an illusion. And yep. I said, the only thing that I can tell you about a flight suit is that I would never let my daughter uh, go out with a man with a three
2: foot zipper. I just gotta tell you that. Right oh my god!
1: That
2: sounds like something you would say.
1: Well, you know, I'm i have I've always been a man of 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 you know
2: etiquette and you know. Yes, but you're so refined.
1: I am. I am. You know, yeah. you know, like what kind of grit pan sandpaper would I be? I want to throw one last thing, and this yeah. actually offended me. Mm. I yeah, because I this was a place that I had frequented, and if I walked in just wearing clothes, you know, like just regular civ- civilian clothes, you know, I'm, I'm not ugly and, you know, I'm not, and you're not going to throw me out for the dog to play, but then again, I'm not the cat's meow. And so, you know, somebody, a one or two might look, you know, when I walked in. Right. But if I wore my flight suit in there, everyone looked. And that kind of offended mm-hmm. me and go, what's different? I'm just wearing a green jumpsuit in this case, a flight suit. Well, think about person. like
2: and think about how like as as pilots, we yeah, over identify with that though. Yeah. Then we start to attach. Oh, this is my worth. This is my value because I've yeah. got my epaulets in a uniform. And and how actually kind of destructive that can be. Because think, at some because point you're gonna have to take it off.
1: It wasn't reality, you know. That's right. So I, I like I said, I know that's kind of a little bit off on a tangent, but it still goes to your identity and buying into much of it buying into it too much, I should say. So, and I guess in that regard, I was relatively fortunate that I kept myself grounded. Um, um, I think my ego was there when I was flying, but I tried to, cause I saw what it did to people that weren't flying that, that were in my, in my squadron that flew. And there were so many divorces and so many people because they put flying in front of their families that's what they want to do that's what they loved and they couldn't live without it and mm-hmm. i always said you know sooner or later age health um something's going to stop you from flying uh you know in this case for my my case i'm coming up on age soon along with my my medical issues
2: so well one thing i tell i tell clients all the time um is look you existed long before airplanes and if you play your cards right, you're going to exist long after them.
1: God willing. And those you know, that love you want you around for a long time after.
2: Yes. And if they, you know, if they don't, maybe stick around so you can develop relationships. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that it's over identification. God willing, they loved
1: you because they loved you and
2: not what you did. Right. Over identification with anything is a problem. Yep. And that's
1: unfortunately, I think, our well, uh, they i think they have a stronger identification you know just like a doctor there certain well, there's certain shows a lot of sets. ego
2: yeah yep. it's, e- ego plays a huge role and ego is kind of the kiss of death ego just it, it leads to nothing but kind of really bad things in many respects it, it's there's a time and a place but over identification and over emphasizing and doubling down onto ego identity like at some point that's going to come back and it's going to bite you hard. and so it's really important to try to develop um and and re-identify and rediscover aspects of yourself that aren't just with the uniform that you put on in the career and what you do for a job.
1: And I think people mistake sometimes ego and confidence. having a lot of confidence and have a and a, having a big ego very, very different.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: But I think we've reached the time. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the comments. Please keep them coming. Uh, the email address is podcast at lifteffect.com. We, we read everything. Um, you're welcome to talk about your experiences if you want to. They'll be de-identified or you just have questions in general of of, of how good-looking that is (laughs) or what he would look like in a flight God! not good (laughs) so yeah but um, and thank you again for letting us already achieve something that I don't think we really thought about when we first started this. we've hit our 10th episode and God willing we have a lot more to go so with that we thank you and we will see you next week
0: have a good week everybody take care Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you wanna dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.